Hope Encounters for Women podcast. I am your host, Denise Harris-Simchuk, and I am here with my friend, Bethany Paternoga, and we are going to talk about Matthew 6.33. So Matthew 6.33 is the verse that the Lord has given me to live by, and I believe it's foundational to our faith. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. And what are those things? All the things. So read chapter six of Matthew and you will understand, but we are not to be worried. We're not to be stressed out. We are to trust in the Lord. So um, the purpose of my podcast is to give women hope that we don't have to, you know, we don't have to walk around with guilt. We can we can live our busy lives and still seek God first in our mm-hmm. lives. And the reason I have Bethany as my first guest, not only is she a great friend, but she is a woman who wears many hats and who knows what it's like to have a busy life. So let me tell you, she is Pastor Bethany. She is the founder and uh, right there you can see in the background, Passion Fire International is her international ministry and she is mother of seven two are biological five were in foster care with her and then she eventually adopted them and she she has six grandchildren with one on the way she is doing all the things like she is so busy um if i get a text from her I'm excited because she doesn't have a whole lot of room in her schedule for anybody. It's, I mean, she's got a tight schedule, but I'll let her talk about that. Um, if you want to just kind of share some of your thoughts and then we'll get into the questions. So you can fill in where I, I didn't. Oh yeah. I am very well. <laughs> I, you did great. I am so happy to be here and, and so excited to see you launching out to this. I've been telling her for years that, you know, she has something that people need to hear. And now is the time for you to raise your voice and to make the sound of heaven with your voice. I'm super excited about this. I'm so happy. And I am honored to be the first guest. Absolutely honored. And the other thing I want to say about you is that you have always appreciated who I am and where I am. You have grown with me through several stages of life. And you've always been so... I I just know that you're the friend that we just pick up right where we left off. And um, even though you might miss me or get lonely for me, um, I feel like you're not jealous of my time in the sense that it's like, what about me? And you're not needy. Thank God. Like I don't, I, I, I will definitely, you know, pray for people who have a great need in their life, but needy friends, I can't be their Jesus. And I just want to thank you that you've been such a gift in my life too. So, um, thank you so much. You're welcome. And as far as me, yes, very, very, um, active, lifestyle um, as far as so many irons in the fire and always, and I want to encourage anyone who's listening, always having to discern the voice and the heart of God 
to what things I need to be involved in and what things I don't, because it's wisdom, right? We can, we can, um, get our hands in so many things that God never asked us to be in that are good things, but not the best thing. And so, um, for me, it's always about, okay, Lord, what are you speaking this season in my life? What am I to carry? What am I to release? What would you have me to be a part of? Um, and, uh, as far as yes, mother to many spiritual kids too. um, a lot in my background of dealing with trauma. So a lot of trauma training, a lot of dealing with um, children who've gone through trauma. I worked for the Department of Children and Family Services for a season as a foster parent support specialist, which was like equipping the foster parents, getting them the things they needed to um, help their placements be successful, to help the children thrive in their homes. Um, And yes, we also have an international ministry and I pastor on Sunday mornings and whatever needs come up. And right now we're getting ready to, um, our spiritual son and daughter are getting ready to launch our, uh, young adults and, um, youth. So that'll be another thing starting in the next couple of weeks. I'll be at the first few meetings there. We're excited that God is expanding us. We are a house church, but we have an international reach. So that's the best way I'd describe it. That is so exciting. And you're also a home, uh, you're homeschool all your children. So uh, that alone is very time consuming, I know. And uh, I, I, I tried to do that for a season didn't quite work out for me. But I've seen you do it and you do it well. So um, all right, well, I've got some questions for you. And uh, the first thing that I believe that our that whoever's listening to this is going to want to know is how do you prioritize your time and energy in order to keep God first in your life? Wow. Great, great question. I, um, well, obviously you've heard all I do. So being a home educator of your children and a mom and a wife, and I consider myself the financial manager of our home because, um, my husband, he, he makes the bacon, but I decide where it's going to go. You know, I have to pay the bills and all that stuff. Um, and then the ministry component. And for me, I feel like I can empathize with women at all walks of their life because, you know, we have children that range in age from um, 26 to age three. And so there was a time in our, our lives where we didn't have any young children at home. And then the Lord said, surprise. I've called you to get back into this again. These children need your help. You know, I'm calling you to this. And I thought, oh, my Lord, um, here we go again. Are we absolutely crazy? But, you know, when God's in it, he gives you a grace for it. So um, I went from, you know, having all the kids at home and can, and can, and then they were old enough that we were almost empty nesters to like, oh, his surprise, here we go again. So I feel like I can really appreciate And now I'm also a grandmother on top of this, appreciate women at all different walks of life. So I can come at it from that mama's heart and the grandmother's heart, but I also can understand the professional side of things, right? Because I've been a working mom. I am an international minister. That does not stop. Those demands don't stop every day when my mom hat's on. Sometimes the minister hat is on at the same time. And so for me, I feel like I can't afford to not seek him first. I I can't afford that. But as women, 
we need to not put ourselves in these boxes of almost like condemnation that 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 our our putting God first is supposed to look exactly a certain way because in every season of your life it's different. Yes. I can remember when the young babies were crawling all over me and I'd sit there and I'd be interrupted a million times reading my Bible. I've been the woman who's tried to get up way before the kids get up and spend time with God. Cause trust me, we all just love that absolute alone time with God. But I will assure you, it seems to never fail. If that alarm is set, they're going to wake up. They got that sonar. And I know women know what I'm talking about. It's like, my goodness. And so yeah. there were times in my life, it was just like, this is what it looks like in this season. And we're having that continual conversation with God all day long. Even when those babies are acting away, oh Lord, give me grace today. And then there was a time in my life where my kids were teens. And I said to them, you're old enough now to leave me alone. And I locked my bedroom door and my bathroom door and then went into my closet, into the secret place of the closet, yeah. like the Bible says. And I said, don't come in here unless the house is burning down or you're bleeding out. <laughs> like, this is my time with God. And then I had a season where they, you know, they're kind of doing their things. And it was just like easy to get in the presence of God and to be with God. And the demand slowed down. And then now having to reintegrate back into what it's like to have teens and a nine-year-old and a toddler and grandchildren. And sometimes it's early in the morning and sometimes it's very late at night, but oftentimes it, it, it always starts in the morning. Like even before I get out of bed, Lord, what do you have for me today? God, thank you that I'm alive. Lord, go before me today. That's how it starts every single day. And then what we forget too is that our children are like sponges. And so they're watching. So it's not necessarily bad that, you know, my little three-year-old is like watching me worship and pray in the spirit and talk to God and read the word. I remember seeing my dad read the word growing up. So um, the biggest, my biggest takeaway here is the enemy's the accuser of the brethren. Don't feel like you have to look a certain way, but, but make sure you seek him first. You've got to um, because the, the wellspring of life flows from that place. We can't flow from an empty cup. So I don't Amen. know if you want to expand on that. Or... Amen. Well, I really want to point out one of the things that you said, because it's so important not to get into condemnation, because I can remember for years, you know, if I didn't get up before, you know, if I didn't get up in, in enough time to spend an hour with God and I had to rush to work or whatever I needed to do for the day, and maybe I only got to say, good morning, Lord, here I am. And didn't get to, you know, spend that alone time like we all want to do. I mean, I felt so much condemnation. And it wasn't until very recently that I got set free from that because I heard a pastor speaking. And he was like, you know, when I go off on a mission, you know, if I'm in a ministry trip and I have to leave my wife, I don't come home and get on my knees and, and say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. You know, we didn't have time together. No, you know, you just continue on with life. And, you know, I, I, and I'm not married, but I think about it. Like if, if, if I was married 
and my husband and I were working, I mean, yeah, we're going to talk, but we might not get a whole full conversation in a day if everybody's getting ready to go to work, take the kids to school and all that. So why do we think it could be any different with God? And God is with us at all times. He's, I mean, I can, I can pray when I'm washing my dishes. I can pray when I'm working. I can pray when I'm driving and I value the secret place. I value that secret place time. And I remember those seasons. And it was funny when you said that if you're not bleeding, <laughs> do not come and bother me. I remember that. And though we cherish that, man. I love it when I can just have a day where my phone is not ringing, my texts aren't going off, and it's just me and Jesus. And those are days I love. But it's not, I mean, he he also said in his word, occupy until I come. So Amen. we can't stay in that secret place all the time. So, all right. So let me ask you this. What has been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced managing your responsibilities as a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a homeschool teacher, pastor, and leader of, a, of an international ministry? Wow. Well. <laughs> they've been several. Um, <laughs> I think balance and boundaries, like those are the two words I hear as the loudest um, for me that resonate the loudest with me when I hear that question, because um, I think we've got to prioritize hearing God's voice, which cannot be done without seeking him first. Right. Thank and you. as women, we are, most of us, uh, some women uh, may struggle with this more than others, but most of us are born and designed by God to be natural born nourishers, nurture, nurture, nourishers, <laughs> nurturers. Yes. And so we're always giving out, right? Uh, we're always, you know, we're, we're servants by nature. We're serving, we're pouring out, we're, we're helping our children, our grandchildren, our husband, we're helping our ministry partners, whatever the case may be. But we've got to learn where those balance and boundary lines come in because we must take care of our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. That is not Absolutely. selfish. That is hugely important to draw boundary lines around that space and place because it is necessary. It is so necessary. And I think as we mature in the Lord and in our calling and in our giftings, we learn this more and more as we go. Like our, our grandparents or, or spiritual grandparents, those who have been in the Lord longer, could give us a lot of advice in this area because there's always going to be many things that can pull on you. You, you know, yes, uh, I understand that we have to work and, and provide for our home, but we don't want to get so busy with the good things that we forsake the best thing and um learning no is a huge and powerful word and it should be in everybody's vocabulary there are times we have to say no you know um we have to set that boundary of no and really protecting your time with God, um, time with your family when it's needed, and 
boundaries of where you're going to allow people to go and not to go. Um, I don't really, I'm trying to think there was a time, especially in the beginning, I feel like I'm supposed to share this, um, of my ministry where people were like calling all the time. I was doing a lot of inner healing and deliver and, and their need would be so great. Um, or they would feel like that they were just calling and calling and calling. And I had to set boundaries around that because it's not healthy for them. And it wasn't healthy for me either. Um, I had, you have to protect the gifting and the anointing of God as well. And, um, who you allow access to that place because people will drain you. If you're fiery for Jesus, instead of getting their own fire, they will just drain you of your, everything you've got, but they could have the same thing. So it's leading people to that place where they can get the same thing that you and I have on their own. And, um, I always say I'm not big on sacrificing the altar uh, sacrifice. I'm not big on sacrificing my family on the altar of ministry. The altar of ministry and the altar of God are two different places and people yes. try to act like they're not, but they are. And yes, there are times God calls us to do things and, and we're leaving everything behind and we know that he's got it. And he says, you go ahead with this project. But so many families have crumbled at people saying they're doing things in the name of God and they've sacrificed something God never asked them to sacrifice that was holy and sacred on the altar of ministry. And that is not the altar of God. So those are balance and boundaries. Yes. Huge. That is so, so profound what you just said, because um, it's one of the things that I see and, and you know, I, I, I'm trying to learn how to speak to this and find women who need this. But I see women in particular, they give and give and give and they don't know how to set those boundaries and sometimes they don't know how to say no because they're actually hiding behind a mask because they've got all these things that they haven't dealt with in their life. And so they stay busy mm. as a, and in the name of serving the Lord, but their healing is not, is not happening because they're not taking that time to you know, because a lot of people don't like the quiet because when you're quiet, then, you, oh, oh, yeah, you're with you. because God's going to shine a light on those things, those areas that you need when you're in a secret place. Oh, he's going to shine some light on those That's areas that you need some healing in. And people don't like that because they're like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I am blessed and highly favored. I'm good. <laughs> I have no issues. I'm good. You know, and we, <laughs> Are you really? Are you yeah. really good? How are you really doing? I mean, how many times have we said that to one another? How are you really doing? You know, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just like you, I've heard you say this a million times. I am not your Holy Spirit. That is one job we can never take in someone's life. And that is so important to understand as a, as a minister, we can't be their Holy Spirit, because you're right. People are so hungry 
for God, but they look to someone that they, they might um, look at someone and say, I want what you have. But instead of understanding that we can lead you to him, they want to connect with you. They want to bond with you. Right. And it just doesn't work that way. Right. It just doesn't work that way. It's idolatry, basically. It really I, is. It really it's is. I don't work And it's okay, like you said, to want what someone has as far as I want to walk in the peace of God. I want to, I, I love your anointing. I, I want to walk closer to God and for him to flow through my life. That's great. But when it becomes less about God and more about you needing that individual or that person that is codependent and is unhealthy and it is not God. Exactly. Exactly. That is so important. That and you so nailed it too, girl, when you said some people just have to be busy. I know so many people out there, they just have to rescue everybody. They got to get involved in every, they've got a gift yep. of compassion, which is awesome. My compassion is pretty high, not higher than um, the prophetic in my life, but it's still pretty high. And I get that. Um, but the issue here becomes, um, like you said, there's stuff that God wants to heal in their lives or has his finger on, but they're so busy fixing everybody else. that They're not allowing God to fix them. Yeah. And the truth is that you can't bring healing or freedom to someone else. If you don't possess it yourself, you can't exactly. you give something you don't have. You can't give that. So yep. it's just like on the airplane. They say, you put your mask on first. <laughs> That's right. I remember, you know? you know, Kathy Hartley, my mentor and, and, uh, past one of my pastors, pastor Roger Willis telling us that you ought to put your own mask on first. That's if the right. airplane's going down, if you don't put your own mask on first, you're not going to help anybody else. So God is that breath of life, you know, yeah. that, that the fresh breath of life that fills us in the water. And you know, the other thing I just, I feel like I have to touch on because well, we wouldn't be touching on it. One of the challenges I have faced is being a woman in, woman in ministry is has been a challenge for me. Um, it didn't it didn't start out that way because I felt like I was surrounded by men who really were not threatened by that and wanted to see me walk in my gifting and go forward. But the further I launched out in it, mm -hmm. when I launched out into my own ministry and when I stepped out fully onto the water, oh my word. I even had, you know, issues in my own inner circle of my family. Like the devil was just rearing his ugly head and it, it was painful and it's so misunderstood. It's a thing that's so misunderstood. And I understand why I understand that people take, you know, two scriptures out of the Bible and they don't look at the history behind what was going on and they don't look at the whole word of God because if they were looking at the whole word of God, they would see that he was, you know, Paul was really good with women in ministry yes. in particular <laughs> circumstances and why was it? And they don't go deeper and they get hung up on it and they're just as zealous that they think they're doing the right thing, but really they're in a religious spirit, but they don't know it. They're like the, like the Pharisees. And so there is else for it. And some of them are just men who are not secure in their identity in Christ. And they may know, but they fear, you know, women being more powerful than them or whatever. And it's not about that. Like never do I desire to run a man off a stage or to steal from him. Like, 
We are both made, men and women, in the image of God, and he does not favor one above the other. And men have a unique place in gifting, and they can offer things that we can never offer, and we can offer things they can never offer. And when are we going to get it, that working together, you know, he, he didn't leave Adam by himself. He said he needed Eve. He Amen. needed a helpmate. Yes. And when we work together and help one another and we cheer each other on, my goodness, how much more could we get done for the kingdom that way? I just pray yes. the Lord really starts opening people's eyes in that area. I don't want to continue. That's a whole subject. But you did that. <laughs> yeah, it really is. We'll have to do another uh, podcast later on that whole topic. So that leads me to this question. What advice do you have for overcoming fear and doubt for a woman who wants to step into a leadership role with that kind of climate, especially if they're going into ministry and it's not just ministry. I mean, you really see it in the world too. Um, in professions, you know, there's, 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 it's like they don't recognize women, the value of women. It's so what, what would you say if you, you know, if you had somebody to come and say, Bethany, I am thinking I've been, I've got this opportunity, but I'm terrified. What do I do? Like, how would you counsel them to be able to feel like they can move forward in that leadership role? Wow. Um, that, I keep saying that's so good, but you, but really God has anointed you and gifted you. These questions are so, they're like, right. They go straight to the heart of the matter, you know, (laughs) right in. Um, I want you to repeat the question one more time because I heard against fear and doubt, women coming into leadership okay. and doubt. So, repeat. so what advice would you have for overcoming fear and doubt when it comes to stepping into a leadership role, specifically for women? Yes. Okay. Well, it's that fear and doubt thing is actually a spirit. It's a spirit of intimidation, which is a spirit of fear. And, you know, Satan is not so concerned necessarily with where we are right now. Maybe sometimes he's concerned with where we're going. Mm. So, (laughs) and he's going to, it'll come from all angles. Yeah. It'll come from all angles. And the attempt is to paralyze you. So if he can tell you, you'll never make it, you're not good enough. What do you think you have to offer? These people will never accept you. Just give up now. All those things he's going to come out. How, how do you, you don't even look like so-and-so. Look at them. They're doing so much better than you. Whatever he's going to say, it's all in an attempt because the word says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's not the voice of God. It's in an attempt to stop you from where you're going. So the biggest thing I, I, I wish I could get it right now and show you, but there's one thing that I have in my office It's an arrow sign and it says, keep moving forward. You know, the spirit of the Lord is always moving. We cannot see it, but it is always moving. It is not stagnant. Now, there are times where God will tell us to be still and know that he's God and we need to be still and we need to 
you know, move when he tells us to move and stay when he tells us to stay. That's different. But what I'm saying is that when God places a vision in your heart, there will be a spirit of intimidation that tries to steal the seed from you because that spirit of intimidation does not want you to release the word and the gifting of God that is upon your life. He fears the books that you might write that could get to the masses that would set them free. He fears the words that you might speak from a pulpit that's going to deliver someone from their addictions or their anxieties or their drugs. He fears that you're going to steal from his kingdom of darkness and he will use everything possible to deter you. He will use those that you even love to say things to you that are not in the spirit of love and everything and they will rob from you if you allow them to do so. Do not allow him to do it. I'm going to say you put one foot in front of the other. You get a prayer covering. I can't suggest that enough, a prayer covering. I mean, this girl here, Denise, who is on this thing right now, was my prayer covering, still is my prayer covering. She would sit there and pray me through things. When things were, were I would say to her, you know, I know God has called me to this. He's calling me more out front, but my goodness, I would just rather stand behind the scenes. And she said, you're going to do it. And the first few times I would lead prayer meetings, she would be in there praying in the spirit the whole time. Don't you think something was happening in the spirit when she was covering me? She would just sit there and cover me in prayer. You have got to have that prayer covering to keep moving forward in what God is calling you to do. And, you know, um, I think you just, I was looking at my notes because I didn't mean to pause, but I want to look at, so I don't miss anything here. There are going to be times where you actually start walking in it and you're doing what God has called you to do. And for me, it was the Lord told me, you know, you're going to start getting invited to places to speak. I'm going to call you out. He was calling me out into more regional level at that time. And I remember knowing God had said it, knowing he confirmed it. When the invitation came, I was said, well, yes, I don't need to pray about it because God told me it was going to happen. And I knew in my spirit when the invitation came. But do you know when I stood behind that podium and I began to speak, Satan, even at that very minute, that accuser, that intimidation, that fear tried to come on me. And in my head, I literally had to say the words of Jesus, get behind me, Satan, mm -hmm. shut up. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And I think we just have to hold on like a pit bull to the things of heaven because Satan will steal the seed and the vision if you allow him to get to it, but you don't allow him to get to it. You keep covering it under the blood. And then when you're having those hard days, you call a friend like Zanice. You get someone you know you can confide in who's going to say, oh, no, that's not who God says you are and call you up. We do that for each other. You have got to have that in your life. I called it a, an Aaron and her. Remember at one point in my life yep. because they held Moses's hand, hands up until they won the battle. When his hands were getting weak, they came out. You have to have an Aaron and her in your life that are going to come alongside you. Keep pushing forward. And do not allow intimidation to stop the plans of God over your life. That is so good. That is so good. And really, and I just want to say that's, that's whether you're doing ministry 
or if you're in the marketplace, because I got to tell you, I've been a leader, just a supervisor, but it's still a leadership role for a, almost a year and four or five months. Well, it is a hard job. Like this is where God has taught me how to be a leader because I always said, I'm not a leader. And you would always laugh at me when I said that because you're like, yes, you are. And I'm like, no, no, I'm content to be behind the scenes. But, you know, even in that, if I don't draw on the Lord, like I had, this is a heavy week for me. I've got all these meetings. I've got hard conversations. I've got 15 people under me and I have to have these hard conversations. And, you know, most of these, I have two that believe in God. So I'm constantly praying, Lord, don't, you know, because in the beginning, man, I mean, the attacks were coming like crazy from my team. And I, if, until I learned, okay, you know what, God, this is where I have to seek you first, or I'm not going to be a good supervisor to these people because they are really pushing my buttons. And, you know, and, the, you know, the world talks about how you want to throat punch somebody what <laughs> happens? And, it, and, and that's where I had been. But I have to say that is not me. And so my response is they never knew how bad they pushed my buttons. But if I had not been seeking God, whew, it would have been a problem. Amen. But <laughs> I don't mean to stop on a bunny trail. I've but heard. I just want. I don't, I don't want, so I'm thinking about who's going to hear this and they're going to say, well, you know, I'm just a housewife and I have three kids. I'm not trying to be a pastor. I'm not trying to be a leader. You know, I have my job and you know, whatever. I want them to understand that this is, this, this is a reality that they can have too. Seeking God first isn't just a good suggestion. It's in the Bible and we need to follow that. I mean, it's, it's, it's so foundational to everything. And I didn't realize how foundational it was until 2018 when the Lord began to, to speak to me about it. And, you know, and then of course I wrote my book, which is going to be released later this year, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, getting back to, I do want to ask can you describe a specific time where you were in a situation and you knew you did not seek God first? Things were going to go bad. What did that look like and what was the outcome? Well, it's interesting you asked me this question. And so I, I had to pray over this one. And I feel like the Lord pinpointed the time he taught me about seeking him first I was 21 years old. Um, I had a, um, we had our first child and we had um, two other children that are our foster children that we have since adopted. So I had three under three in the home. And um, my screen is frozen. Can you hear me? Yep, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> Um, I had three out of three in the home and, um, I was suffering from a heart condition and my husband had to travel. And I remember waking up one night in sweats and my heart was racing and it was out of rhythm. 
And I went to reach over for him and he wasn't there. And, and my next thought was, because he was on a business trip, and my next thought was, I'll call my mom. And in that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, when will you come to me first? Oof. When will you come to me first? I had always, in a moment of emergency and fear, Mm -hmm. reached out for the person next to me. And yet he was closer than my very breath. He's the one who makes my heart beat and can put it back in rhythm. And he said, when will you come to me first? And in that moment I repented and I came into a season of my life for a long time where things were very hard and, and very challenging. And it was, I will say some of the hardest times of my life when those kids were little and there was multiple things going on and um, having three under three is no joke. And I eventually had four under four and um, <laughs> it became um, just humbling to me. And, but when I started doing that and when I started commanding my heart back into rhythm in the name of Jesus, when I, when I really leaned into him, I found greater peace. I found um, my, my level of faith was rising. And I think had I not come into that place, I don't even know where I would be today. That was a, that's a building block. That's a building block that if we don't learn how to seek him first and we're always looking for help everywhere else, he wants to be our source. Yes. He wants to be our healer, our redeemer, our rescuer, our best friend. And that was what came to mind for me was when God questioned me about that in my life. And I honestly, I don't know if there's been a time since that day that I haven't sought him first. To be honest, I just don't think there has been. Um, not that you can't confide in other people or ask other people, but the first thing is, Jesus, I need you in this moment. I need you to help me. I need you to direct me. And there have still been times where things are going absolutely haywire. Our daughter down in Texas, you know, going through a difficult relationship, was pregnant with her third that was born very prematurely. And I wanted to fly out right away as a mom. And I couldn't quiet. I felt I, I was trying, I kept getting along with God, but I couldn't quiet my heart before him. And I had to be honest with my friends and say, I can't even hear his direction right now. Cause I can't quiet my mom's heart right now enough. Um, the baby's fine. She's doing great. The Lord actually instructed me to wait until she got home with, got home because she was going to need me more. And that's what I did, but it's, it's crucial. I hope that's, answering what you're looking for it does it does and just you know it it just really underscores the point that i want to make for people you know there's hope man there is hope because even if you're by yourself if you don't have somebody next to you you don't need to have anybody next to you because he's as Come close on. as our very breath yes and I have had those times too. And, you know, it's just, it's making it a practice of, you know, and, and sometimes we, 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 we get stressed or we get, you know, something happens. Suddenly we want to reach for that phone and we have to pause and say, no, God, <laughs> I need you in this moment. 
And then we can, and then after we have that conversation, we can talk to somebody because God doesn't want us to do life alone. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't just say, you know, you're with me and that's it. And then we ignore the rest of the people in the world. We have our families. We have people in our lives that God appoints. I'm telling you, he appoints our friends. I believe that wholeheartedly because I remember in 2005 when I started praying for friends and the ones that he specifically named for me to be friends, I'm still friends with them today. And, and it's those people that have got me through many years of hardship and, and whew, I couldn't do it, but it's, it's really leaning into him that causes the breakthroughs, you know, and it's not always easy. And I'm sure you can speak to that because, um, and we're going to wrap up here. We're, uh, but and my phone is going to die, <laughs> but um, just, if you could just, if there's one thing that you would like to share with our audience as, as the biggest takeaway that you would say, what would that be? What do you want them to walk away with after hearing our, our interview today? It might sound cheesy, but the whole purpose is Matthew 6.33. Like you said in the beginning, you seek him first and then all things shall be added unto you. You can go running after things and spin in your wheels and spin in plates and exhaust all your energy. And as yeah. you say, do the one tenth to one, two, 10 splat. And you're never going to get anywhere, but on this hamster wheel of circle and God wants you not to just run circles. Like yeah. it is when we seek him first, then he adds unto us everything. And you said everything, everything Amazing. you sought him for friends. God, I need a friend. He didn't just give you friends. He gave you friends who are anointed and appointed to walk with you that you still have today. Yes. How many yes. people just want to try to be friends with everybody? It's okay to be kind to people. I'm not saying don't love people, but not everybody's supposed to be in your inner circle. Yeah. You well, know, Jesus my, my that. smaller and smaller. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. But Jesus <laughs> taught us that we had the three, we had the 12, we had the 500, you know, we, yeah. So, um, all right. So I just want you to briefly share. So you have an international ministry that has needs. You're doing a lot of work over in Kenya. Just share some of the needs that you have. And we're going to um, provide a way for people to get in contact with you to sow into your ministry, because I do believe that, you know, God is going to bring people to uh, help you in addition to hearing our message today, and that is one of the things that the Lord directed me. I want people to be able to have that opportunity. So share some of your needs right now. Yeah, so Kenya and Pakistan, actually. We haven't been to Pakistan personally, but we hope to in the near future. Um, we do have a sewing center over there, and we've helped many people get out of the slavery of brick kilns um, and trying to help People be more self-sustained so that they um, are no longer slaves to their government and also hearing the hope of Christ in the process. Um, and then in Kenya, we also are highly involved over in Kenya. And so we have a lot of work going on over there. Um, we have um, 
a village feeding center out in Mutomo, which is in the which is in the county of Katui, Africa. Um, I think it's four to I can't remember four or six hours from Nairobi, but it's a ways it's a ways out there, especially on African roads. Although the ones to that place weren't too horribly bad. Um, but what we do out there every week is our ministry sponsors. Um, the feeding program every Saturday where a hundred plus children come in from up to 10 miles away walking because they're hungry and they get a meal and they hear the word of God and they get not only their, their, their bellies full, but, but they get their spirits filled up as well. And um, we recently put in a kitchen out there because they were feeding, they were cooking these huge meals off the ground and um, we put a kitchen out there and we just had 10 tables and we still need one table sponsored at $60. Um, all, we have nine sponsored right now and eventually we'll have benches. We also are heavily um, called and know that we're called to the Maasai tribe over there. And so we put in um, one well in the Maasai tribe, which is 20,000 US dollars per well. Um, people say, well, why so much? Other places in Africa it's 10 well. First of all, Kenya is not other places in Africa. Things are more expensive there. Two, there's very, it's all built on like volcanic rock. And so you have to go very, very, very deep to hit water aquifers. And more, most people aren't even willing. But when they have water, they know that Jesus is meeting their need. So it's servanthood evangelism at its very best. Um, the children are then free to go to school. Right. If they're not out hunting water for hours, they're not getting parasites and diseases from the water because they, they just they just use whatever water they can get their hands on. Um, and they, it helps keep their livestock alive. So we have uh, four more to put in throughout Maasai land. And that's a huge place. So um, that's on the vision board. And just Joe and I to go in and out and check on our projects takes money. It's approximately by the time we do our gifts to pastors and any meals that we're doing over there, it's about um, about 12,000, 12, 12,500 per trip with when both of us go. So that lets you know it's not cheap to be about the Lord's business. And um, that's how people can help us. We, we, there's, it, and it all goes back out. It all goes into ministry. And so it, um, that's, yeah, that's what we're doing. And we're partnering with a new ministry called ImaniRescue.org. Um, you can look it up. But it's a women and children's ministry because there's a lot of abuse, which is close to your heart. Yep. Over These women cannot just call. Like we have 911 here. They, I think it's 999 there. But when they're out in the tribes, there's no access to that. Um, they sometimes are married off at a young age and they are beaten, they are abused, they are raped. Um, and so these people are putting in um, a rescue center for women and children to come that is safe for them and to hear about the hope and love and healing of Jesus Christ. And it's not just a hand up, it's or a hand out, it's a hand up. So they're training them to get skills yeah. so they don't have to stay in these abusive relationships. And the government of Kenya just recently learned about their vision and is asking them to put one of these centers in every county in Africa. So we what? Have, oh my gosh, that's awesome! We're I busy love that. Too. <laughs> 
That is fantastic. I love that. Wow. I am so thankful that you are my friend, first of all, and that you agreed to venture out into this new territory for me with me. Um, and I know we're going to have to do it again because I know that, uh, you know, you've got a lot that you offer. You've been through a lot of things and um, I just feel like we're going to have to do another episode, but I'm so grateful to have you. And um, I will definitely put all your links on our page so that when people come to hear the podcast, they're going to be able to um, sow into your ministry. And I just want to um, put out a challenge to anybody listening that if you sow into this ministry and I probably can't meet a huge need, but if you are sewing, I will try to meet or how do they call it? Like, what am I trying to say? How about that? So if somebody put if somebody goes into your ministry page and gives fifty dollars and and says, Hey, I heard about you on the Hope Encounters for Women podcast, I will match that fifty dollars. That's what I'm trying to say. Wow. So what happens? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Let us know. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, so he will provide. <laughs> oh my goodness. So thank you so much. And hey, um, we are gonna be back next week with another guest. And um, so please like and share this podcast. Invite a couple of people that you know who need to hear it. And uh, we will talk to you all again next week. Thank you.